Welcome to Making America Strong Again, the only program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Join fellow patriots as we rediscover our past, reignite our future, and celebrate America now. Welcome to Making America Strong Again. This is Steve Olds. It's my privilege to welcome you to our program from our studios in South Florida. I'd like to say thanks for all of those that are downloading our Patriot Podcasts at PatriotPodcast.com, as well as those who are listening all over the world on the iHeart Radio Network. Over the last several weeks, we have focused on a leadership series. We've looked at how it is that people in America make decisions about the people they follow and about the leaders that they become. We've looked at the challenges that America is facing today, especially with respect to the economy, the divisions among our people, and the fading national pride. We've looked at the paradigm of work, and that is how it is that people in America, especially when there are over 94 million people out of the workforce, how do we get there? How did it happen that 94 million people the largest number since the mid-1970s, are now, quote-unquote, out of the workforce. And is that okay? How is it that they will be sustained in the future? Are they permanently out of the workforce? Or is there something that can be done? And furthermore, who should do something about it? Is that the government's job? Is that our job in the community? Is it the job of the individual person? How does that work? We've also looked at a number of different elements. We've talked about the expectations of work. What is it that we expect to get out of the effort? Is it just something that we show up to, punch a clock, collect a check, and go forward? Sometimes it is. Many times, especially in our younger days, that's where we learn. We've learned the value of work. How many of you had part-time jobs as kids in school? I remember as a young kid, one of the things that I always wanted to tinker with was cars. And at 13 years old, I walked to the gas station that was about a mile and a half, two miles away, where mom and dad always used to take the car. It's called Clinton Texaco on Old Branch Avenue in Prince George's County, Maryland, right outside the back gate of Andrews Air Force Base. And I can remember dad dropping the station wagon off to get something done, an oil change or a tire change or something of that nature. And I got intrigued with the mechanics of working on cars. And of course, as a 13-year-old boy, what was on my mind? It was getting my driver's license, getting my own ride. Now, driving the family wagon, I'm sure would have been a lot of fun. However, (laughs) I had a different idea. I figured I needed a hot rod of sorts, so I might as well figure out how it is that I'm going to work on that thing. So I remember uh, over the summers, I was mowing lawns, and winter times we'd shovel snow and rake leaves and whatever we could do, banging on doors and asking the neighbors for a capital contribution for the effort to do the work. Well, eventually I got the nerve at, I think I was 13 and a half, I walked to Buck Service Center and <laughs> I can remember walking in the front door and I said to the owner, his name was Buck Cave, I said, hey Buck, do you know who I am? <laughs> he said, I have the faintest notion who you are. I said, I told him, I said, my dad brings his uh, brings his wagon here on a regular basis to get an oil change and I was wondering if you needed some some extra help around the shop. 
And he said, yeah, I'll put you to work. He said, how about Friday evenings from 5 to 9 and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 2? And I said, great. So that was my first official job. And I can remember getting so fired up, I actually got a uniform. I got a Texaco uniform, and I got to learn how to pump gas, and I got to learn how to work on cars. And a lot of things happened. Namely, I began to understand what it means to actually go to work on a schedule, what it means to get tasked with certain things, what it means to get paid an hourly rate. I remember at the time, the hourly rate was $2.30, and I thought I was in Fat City. There was all kinds of stuff I could do as I started to run the numbers on the few hours a week that I would work, and I got off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, so there was time to go to the mall and and, uh, start to ring the register and have some fun with all the big bucks that I was earning, turning wrenches and getting greasy on a Saturday. Well, I wasn't exactly getting greasy. I had, <laughs> I suspect I had visions of grandeur about how I was going to rebuild motors and do all sorts of things. And what I actually learned how to do was clean the bathrooms. I learned how to pump gas. I learned how to clean windows and not leave a streak on the window. Remember when we used to go to a gas station and there was something called full service? As a matter of fact, for a time, there wasn't any self-service. You'd pull up. And the attendant would clean your window, make sure there weren't any streaks on the window. They would check the 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 level of air in the tires, check the oil for you, fill your car up with gas, and that was full service. My have times have changed. When I look back at the idea of a 13-year-old kid being able to walk a couple of miles, get a job, and hold that job, and actually I worked at that service center until I was 21. I worked part-time. I worked over the summers. I'd work some more hours over spring break and winter break. I'd work a little more. And through that experience, I learned a lot about what it means to have a job, what it means to have value. I learned from people that worked at that service center about the value that I brought. I learned how to deal with customers. I learned what happens when customers aren't happy. So all of those elements contributed to my experience as a young man about my perspective and my paradigm about work. I also figured out that if I didn't work, I didn't get paid. (laughs) Buck wasn't sending me a check if I called in sick or decided I'd rather go do something with my friends and show up at work. I also found out that not showing up to work was a really bad idea. So over the years... All of that came to be, and it influenced the way I thought about work. Now, I want you to think about where we are in America today. How many young people in their experience as a 13, 14, 15-year-old person are actually able to go into a place like the service center or like a fast food restaurant where they get to learn the value of work? We've got a challenge, don't we? Because a lot of those jobs don't exist anymore. Or a lot of those jobs are now taken up with people who are doing their absolute very best to make a full-time wage or feed a family on what was originally designed to be a starter job for a young kid. There's a huge debate in America right now about the minimum wage, about the idea of the fact that minimum wage at seven or eight or nine bucks an hour, whatever it happens to be at any particular time, it's not sufficient to raise a family was never designed to be that. And when you study the impact of the minimum wage on the economy and that you study environments and places around the country that are now mandating that we take a minimum wage from seven or eight or nine bucks and take it to 15 or 25 or whatever number you want to pick, look what happens to the economy in the local community. 
in Seattle, there was a restaurant that wanted to keep all of its employees. So it branded itself the minimum wage restaurant. In other words, they had to raise their minimum wage to $15 an hour to be compliant with local regulations, which meant they had to raise, if they were going to keep all their employees, they had to raise their prices. And their customers were going to have to pay those prices so they could keep everybody employed at 15 bucks an hour. Guess what happened? The place doesn't exist anymore. The economics don't work. And part of the reason that that's becoming more and more challenging for people is that they don't understand how money works. They don't understand the economics of work. So right now in America, we have a lot of folks that are looking at their personal financial scenario and they're asking them some questions, themselves some questions. They're saying, how do I increase my cash take in the door? How do I get more money in my household? Well, in the traditional environment, there's a couple of ways to make money work. Either you make more of it or you reduce the amount of expenses that you have or you do both. So let's say, for example, there is a certain amount of living expense that you absolutely have to have to cover your your daily activities and your existence. And now you're faced with the opportunity that's right before you to increase your income. And I call it an opportunity because some might say that it's a challenge. Some might say it's a problem. I look at it as an opportunity. That's another one of those paradigms we talked about last week. The paradigm is how we look at things. When faced with a challenge, you can look at it as an insurmountable problem that everybody says you can't solve, or you can look at it as an opportunity. So in the case where I need to increase the money in my household, I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to figure that out, and I'm going to pursue it. So how do I do that? Well, a couple of ways. I can go look for a second or perhaps a third job if you already have to. That's one way to do it. You can go find an extra part-time job. Maybe you're going to go out and find one of those minimum wage jobs that are out there just to make ends meet. How else could you do it? Well, take a guess. With a program called Making America Strong Again and a focus on rebuilding America through the power of small business, maybe we could look at the small business environment as a mechanism through which you could increase your revenue stream. How, how could you do that? Well, you could start your own business from scratch. That's one way to do it. That's a tough way. There's a lot to it. And as I've told my story through the years, when I left flying F-15s in the Air Force, I thought I could just leave flying fighters and we had just come out of a combat scenario, so I figured, I'm king of the world. I know how to fly fighter jets in combat. We won. So how hard can it be to start a business? Until I actually started it and figured out I had no idea what I was doing. So starting a business is challenging from stem to stern. You can play a role in a business. You could participate in an environment that can create value for a business. You can be part of a marketing or sales team. You can also serve another role in a small business. But at the end of the day, what you have to figure out is the time that you're going to invest in a particular activity has to create sufficient value in the marketplace so that it will pay you because there's lots of ways to use your time. If your objective is to raise your revenue, your personal income, you have to look at all the factors that go into making that work. Because if you end up investing all of your time and not producing any cash and your objective is to produce X dollars a week, then you've got a problem. So what we're going to talk about when we come back from the break is how we can begin that process, especially if it's an environment for you that's an opportunity that you've never considered before. 
Perhaps some might look at it as just an absolute crazy idea. How can I go into the small business environment and create capital for myself and my family? How could I do that in a short time frame? Is it really possible? Will it take years to figure out? I submit to you there is a very simple way, once you understand the value that you bring to the marketplace, to leverage who you are, the passion that you have, to create value for others, and to solve that financial opportunity that's on your plate. We'll be right back. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. This is Steve Schwartz with pdgo.com. We've been in business for over 15 years and have created over 1,000 websites for clients across the USA and across the world. We help our clients have a custom, affordable website, and we teach them personally how they can very easily update the information on their websites themselves anytime they want to without being a techie. Take a look at pdgo.com and see samples of our work and testimonials that clients have said about our service. pdgo.com. Again, pdgo.com. At SurfPro of Vero Beach, no job is too big and no question is too small. So when fire, water, or mold damage strikes your home or business, call on SurfPro of Vero Beach at 772-770-0501. That's where you'll find a team of specialists that's faster to any size disaster. So when the things that matter most are on the line, make sure SurfPro of Vero Beach is too by calling 772-770-0501. That's SurfPro of Vero Beach helping make fire, water, and mold damage like it never, ever happened. Franchises are independently owned and operated. Hi, this is Kelly Fisher, a supporter of the Making America Strong Again mission and your local real estate professional here on the Treasure Coast. It has been my honor to serve our community here in Vero Beach since 2003, and with over 1,500 home sales over the past 21 years, it's my hope that you will consider the Kelly Fisher team at Treasure Coast Sotheby's International Realty for all your real estate needs. It's also our desire that every family has a home and every home has a family. And we have partnered with the Homeless Family Center of Vero Beach to work toward that goal. When you buy or sell a home with the Kelly Fisher team, we will make a substantial contribution toward alleviating homelessness in our hometown. To be a part of this great mission, please call us at 772-321-6905. Welcome back to Making America Strong Again, the program dedicated to inspire you and to inspire a nation with stories of American exceptionalism and national restoration. Once again, here's your host, Steve Olds. Welcome back to our show. Today we're focusing on how it is that you can solve a financial opportunity in your life. And specifically, we've been talking about those 94 million Americans that are out of the workforce and many who are in the workforce, but perhaps who are underemployed. Folks that have a family that are attempting to do everything they possibly can to reduce expenses and to create the income required, not only to serve their family in its present form, but to begin to save money and to build for the future. When you are financially challenged, that is to say that there is not sufficient income in your household to meet your monthly objectives plus save for the future, 
then you have a challenge. And how you go about addressing that challenge is something that people in America are doing every day. What are the, some of the things that we can look at in the small business environment that can help you do that? I mentioned earlier that part of what you have to look at is what gives you a passion in your daily activity. What are you really good at? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? And if you could make a decision about something that would really excite you, that you could work on every day, what would it be? I submit to you that as you think about that question, no matter what it is, wherever your passion is, is part of where your gift is, that God-given talent that you have, that place where you love to serve others, the place where you love to be creative, the place where you are really good at solving problems. Because solving problems is what small business is all about. Because when I find out what your goal is, and if you want to figure out how to build a car from scratch, or you want to figure out how to get the oil changed in that car faster, like I was describing as a 13-year-old kid, I looked at the opportunity to work at Buck Service Center at that Clinton, Texaco location because I could do something about it. I could deliver value. I could bring my services in such a way that it would create revenue. Now, of course, I didn't understand any of that in that context at the time as a 13-year-old. But what I began to discover through the years is that Buck hired me and I brought labor. And that labor created capacity, which he could then monetize by selling additional products and services because there was somebody there to do the work or somebody there to do other work like cleaning bathrooms and pumping gas. It didn't take away from the higher-waged employees that could do the work on the cars, creating a higher profit margin. So what is it that you bring to the party? What is it that you can do? And I suggest that if you begin to spend a few minutes thinking about that, that you already possess value that could be monetized in a small business environment. And here's what I mean by that. We talked last week about what happens when small business owners are tapped out of time. In other words, they are maxed out. They've built a company that's growing, that's producing cash. But much like Buck in his service center, he only has so much time. And sooner or later, he's going to hit a ceiling unless he has systems and people and, and product offerings that create sufficient value for the business to continue to grow. We've talked about the power of small business. What is the power of small business? I submit it's the raw horsepower that comes from the imaginations and hard work of motivated men and women focused on accomplishing their goals by serving others in the small business environment. What does that mean to you? Let's say that you're particularly good at something and you actually like the idea of being able to take that skill set to the market to serve others. You have to begin to understand, first of all, does anybody in the marketplace care about that particular product or service? You may be an expert, for example, in medieval art and understanding brush strokes from a painter that passed away in the mid-1200s. Now, <laughs> you may have a challenge selling that skill set in the local marketplace. However, let's say that you have spent the majority of your career learning how to manage projects for an office. I submit there are plenty of businesses that could help, could use help managing projects. Perhaps you're very good at social media. You like the idea of getting information out using new technology. 
And you might begin to understand why it is that it doesn't necessarily matter how old you are. You may have lots of skills, and many younger people do, that can be leveraged in the small business community. What you have to also begin to look at is the timeline and your risk-reward ratio. In other words, how much time do you have? How much distance can you go risking the opportunity to serve others until you get that reward, until you get that money in the bank? Do you have the time to learn, or is it something that you have to do? If I go out and work an extra hour today, I have to get paid today because I don't have the flexibility. I can't give that time up. You have to figure all those things in. And I can promise you the best way to do that is not by yourself. What you need to do is to be able to operate on a team. That's part of the reason that we designed something called the Power of Small Business Project, where we can bring successful business founders together with those like you that have a skill that can be shared. You have expertise, subject matter expertise, where you can mentor others in what you bring to the table. If you don't have the skill sets, and if you're brand new, if you're that 13 or 18-year-old kid that really just wants to learn and willing to dive in and be part of an apprentice model, now you're in a position where you can be a real utility player, and you probably, especially if you're a young person, you probably have less responsibilities and accountabilities at home, so you can invest your time. And maybe your time is traded from time at the club or time playing games or whatever it is that you do for fun, and you can invest some of that into your future. There are a couple of other things that you have to understand also about the small business environment that can change your financial equation pretty quickly. One of them is the tax code. That's a fun subject, isn't it? (laughs) You know, the tax code, if you read it from cover to cover, is longer than the Bible times seven. That's a lot of words. But here's the truth. Within the tax code, there is value for entrepreneurship, especially when you're a small business that operates out of your home. If you understand the impact, and several weeks ago we heard from Dan Romance from Tax Savings Pros, and he talked about what can happen to your business, whether you're a successful, strong, growing company or whether you're a startup. There's significant advantages if you know, if you know where the details are. So part of looking at this opportunity to increase your personal revenue stream, leveraging your value in the marketplace, also comes down to knowing how to make all of those details work. That's, again, why it's much better for you to be working on a team than by yourself. So when you consider whether you want to be a W-2 employee, in other words, somebody that becomes an employee of another company, or perhaps you want to become an independent contractor, That's also referred to by its tax slang of being a 1099, somebody that works without an hourly wage, but yet in many cases has the opportunity to earn much more significant income because of the value that you bring. And when that's the case, you can charge higher rates for what you do. How do you know how much you can charge? It depends what the market will bear. Part of it is asking questions. Part of it's getting familiar about the other competitors in the marketplace, Part of it's being willing to take the risk and dive in and find out. But you have to be careful. You don't want to risk with reckless abandon. You want to understand what's in the marketplace. You want to understand the people around you. You want to understand clearly if the skills that you have that you're thinking about are skills that somebody else is willing to pay for. And there's ways to test that. And as we go through the upcoming programs in our radio show. You'll find out more about how we do that. 
But what I want you to do for the balance of this week is think about what really makes you passionate. Think about those elements that make you want to go out and serve other people. Think about becoming a leader in an environment where you could see yourself standing on stage telling people about the passion you derive from serving others in a particular environment. If you think about that, you'll be well on your way to helping us be part of making America strong again. Thanks for being with us. Making America Strong Again is brought to you by Patriot Mission. To learn more about national restoration, get free resources at www.makingamericastrongagain.com. 